Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Roughly a couple thousand Afghan refugees have resettled in the Bay Area since the Taliban took control of Kabul one year ago. Many are working, some are in school, and a good chunk are living in limbo, waiting for a permanent path to citizenship while worrying for family members who couldn't make it here. Because we are new here, this culture, this country, everything is new for us. Today, what resettlement has looked like for one Afghan family one year later? Nationally, 81,000 Afghans uh, have come in this, this evacuation operation over the past year. Taiki Hendricks is a senior immigration editor for KQED. Just a few thousand of them have refugee status or something called special immigrant visas. And the rest came on a very temporary program called humanitarian parole. So they don't have the same kind of permanence. They do get work permits. Even the folks on the temporary humanitarian parole can have work permits, and so people are finding jobs. And then those with humanitarian parole are really in this kind of a limbo status because they still need to apply for some kind of a way to stay here permanently. So many Afghans that I talk to are just so anxious about their family members who are left behind in Afghanistan and These folks have been through a lot of trauma, and they left their homes not by choice, but by this, you know, tremendous upheaval and have been through, you know, years and decades of war in Afghanistan. And I know you met one such person who is now here in the Bay Area and is still has family in Afghanistan. Um, Can you introduce me to Lotfula Niaze? So Lotfula Niaze is a 54-year-old man from Afghanistan. Because I worked before in the U.S. military and for Afghan government for three years as a civil engineer. And he has settled in Oakland with his young son and a young cousin who he's taken care of. And when I reached him on the phone, he was just home from his shift as a security guard And he was planning to go back to do another shift later in the evening. But he was home to cook dinner for his son and his cousin. Because uh, at midnight, I go back to the ward. I should be cooked for my son and cousin something. 
So he's a, a busy, busy man here in the Bay Area. But what, what was his life like in Afghanistan? He worked for several years for the U.S. military, and he's married, and he has a wife and six kids all together, but only one of his children was able to come here with him. One of my son is there and four daughters. Hmm. Yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about his journey and how he ended up in the Bay Area. So last August, uh, you'll remember, you know, the Taliban entered Kabul and then this whole airlift operation kicked into gear. But inside the airport, the great escape was not going according to script and check-in security had collapsed. And he and his family uh, went to the airport and there were mobs of people and it was very chaotic. American military is inside, the Taliban is in outside. People were trying to get through, you know, just a handful of doorways. From the one small door, if one, one, one by one, it's okay. Two by two is a little okay. Became five, ten or thousand people rushed to the doors. And he said he looked back at one point once he was into the airport and his wife and his other children were gone. Separated because everyone pushed it and everyone tried to enter the airport. And he just had this one son and the cousin. Uh, so he got separated from his family and they just had to go on and they were evacuated. Very hard that you saw in the news and at that time you can see from the satellite it's very it's very worse and a very bad situation they went to Qatar they went to a US army military base in Germany then they came to Washington DC and then to a, a military base in New Jersey and then he said I really want to go to California I saw in the TV in the radio I saw the name I hear the name of California, everyone should be safe. California is good, California is like this one, like this one, I like. He had a cousin who had come to Hayward 30 years ago, and so he felt uh, lucky that he, he got placed here and was able to settle in Oakland. What is his daily life like? How is he settling in the Bay? He's working as a security guard. It is, you know, a little bit of a financial struggle, and he wants more hours, but he also is a single parent. It's very expensive here because uh, uh, we, are, uh, we live three persons, me and my son, my cousin, but just I work it because they are in the school. One is in the 11th grade, one is in the uh, 6th grade. And he's trying to help navigate with these kids getting to school and back every day and providing some stability for them. Because we are new here, this culture, this country, everything is new for us. He has this cousin in Hayward who is well-established, who's helped him get oriented and, I think, meet other Afghans, uh, and I think is, you know, somebody he hadn't seen for 30 years from when he was a, a very young man in his 20s. Um, but somebody who really welcomed him, you know, as family. In the first time when I saw him, I don't know him, who is he? He was my cousin or other person, because we didn't see each other in a, it's a very long time. 
and every time he called me, he asked me if you need something. Sometimes I give it the money, I take the money from him, same like a borrow. He's a good man. Uh, God bless him. Uh, every time I say for him, you are good. I mean, is his family in Afghanistan safe? I don't know. Uh, I think that they are in some danger. They were targeted because of his work with the U.S. military and with the prior regime. So his wife with the five other children has gone into hiding. And she had to leave their home and move to another province in Afghanistan. They're in a house there where her mother uh, brings her groceries once a week. But I think it's this sort of secret operation to kind of keep them on the down low. The first month after uh, he left the country, he had no contact with his wife. He didn't he wasn't able to reach her. And I think that was really terrifying. And now that they're back in touch, they speak every day. But he's really been consumed with worry about their welfare. Coming up, why Latfula is stuck in immigration limbo and what it'll take to bring his family to the Bay Area. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I do want to zoom out, Taiki, because I imagine there are thousands of Afghan refugees who are in a similar sort of precarious situation. He is one of the folks here on humanitarian parole, is that right? What does that mean for him? This humanitarian parole, which is a temporary two-year permission to live in the U.S., but after the two years are up, you know, there's no... There's no permanency. There's no path to citizenship. And you're either deportable if you don't have proper immigration status or you're living here undocumented. And, you know, these are people who who the U.S. government obviously said it's worth evacuating them from Afghanistan. It's worth bringing them here. And they vetted them for months. And but they're still in this kind of limbo because their their status is not permanent. They don't have green cards and they don't have a way to get them or to become citizens. If you enter the country as a refugee, in a year you can apply for a green card, permanent 
legal residents. There are other people who get this special immigrant visa for cooperating with the U.S. government, and they also can get, you know, that's a path to a green card. But he has no way um, so far of staying here permanently. How many other people are in Lotfula's situation, specifically under um, humanitarian parole? The federal government tells me there are 77,000 people who came here on humanitarian parole Mm. nationally, and that's the vast majority of the people who who came in this this operation over the past year. Maybe half of them are eligible for special immigrant visas, and the others can probably apply for asylum. The backlog for the special immigrant visas is about 70,000, so there's a big bottleneck there. And then, as you know, the immigration courts are terribly backlogged in this country with 1.8 million cases of all different kinds, including hundreds of thousands of asylum cases. So this adds to the backlog there. And then, you know, for the folks who are in the temporary humanitarian parole, uh, like Lotfula, they don't, they're not able to bring their family members at this point. So, I mean, what help is Lotfula getting to get his family here? What resources does he have? Well, the resettlement agency that, that helped him get settled, Jewish Family and Community Services of the East Bay, has a legal department and they have hired up uh, lawyers and they've you know made a lot of relationships with other organizations that have pro bono legal staff and with private attorneys. We created a strong group of pro bono, low bono lawyers and attorneys that we are working. Speaking to the director, Fauzia Azizi, she says, you know, they have got all of like 500 people on humanitarian parole who are all getting help now with their asylum applications. But, you know, it's a big job. Some of them already in a different stages of like some of them in a screening process. Some of them already applied. Some of them are waiting for their interview process. But we have a long queue to go through. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's a lot of work for these agencies to take on. I'm how sustainable is that really? It's really demanding and it it we have to look at it in the context of during the the Trump years, the Trump administration refugee resettlement networks were really gutted in this country. I'll be honest with you, the damages were huge uh, to the refugee program. Definitely. I think it will take a uh, more time to rebuild and kind of bring everything together because the damages are so deep. So these organizations had to lay people off and they're still just beginning to build back up. But a lot of organizations have not, you know, been able to meet this demand in the same way. Lotfula knows Afghans who are in Michigan and Tennessee and they stay in touch and he says they're still trying to find lawyers to help with their asylum applications and they they haven't, you know, been able to make contact with lawyers. I mean, so what exactly needs to happen in order for Lotfula to be reconnected with his family? 
he needs to win his asylum case. And if he can get asylum, you know, he can bring his wife and his other children over. He has, I think, a very strong case for asylum. And his actually his asylum hearing is this morning at the Asylum Office of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services in San Francisco. But the other thing is that Congress last week just introduced a bill called the Afghan Adjustment Act that would provide green cards to tens of thousands of Afghans like Lotfullah who came in this temporary parole situation. And it's similar to bills that were passed following U.S. wartime evacuations of Cubans when Castro came to power, of Southeast Asians after the fall of Saigon. So we have a, a precedent for that, and it's something that Congress could do to to give these folks green cards and they wouldn't have to go through an individual application process. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious how people like Fauzia feel about the chances that the U.S. government might actually step in and help people like Lotfula. Well, when I talked to Fazia Azizi at, at Jewish Family and Community Services, she was very encouraged uh, that this bill has been introduced. It's something that's been in the works for a long time. And she believes that it really is is what we need for Afghans to be able to get settled permanently in the United States and not have to go through a lot of extra steps and bureaucracy. I'm so glad that at least it's moving and at least it's in front of Senate. It does have a handful of Republican sponsors. It's a kind of bill that would need at least 10 Republicans in the Senate to to vote for it. But it's a bipartisan bill. Um, It might be the kind of thing that can can rise above that gridlock in Congress. But we'll see. I think that will bring a relief if that act will be passed. I think having the relief that we will have a permanent residency path here, my child will be safe. I mean, again, Taiki, it's been one year since the Taliban took over Kabul and Fauzia is actually um, someone who we've talked with you on this show about before. She's someone who herself has left Afghanistan because of war. And she's been also now doing this work, helping other Afghan refugees resettle here in the Bay Area for the past year. I'm curious how she's doing a year into this. When I spoke with with Fauzia most recently, I mean, she was just talking about, you know, we're finding housing, we're finding lawyers, we're staffing up, we're, um, you know, really just boom, 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 and all of the work that they're doing. And then I said, you know, is there anything else on your mind, anything else that you want to say? And she, her tone just settled and she took a breath and she said, Please do not forget about Afghanistan. It has been faded from media completely, but those people are dying there. It just was coming from her heart in this way that was very powerful. And, um, you know, it just kind of, it touched me in the heart because it it wasn't just a, a list of needs and policies and, and tasks to do, but but really you know, just this very deep sense of like these 
people need our care and they need us not to forget about them. Please do not forget. This country is, I think, it's one unfortunate nation that their sorrow never ends. Taiki, I want to come back to Lotfula, the person that we started this story with. How is he feeling right now? He's got so many difficulties and challenges on his plate, but he also had this sort of buoyancy and, and you know, he's clearly trying to stay positive. But sometimes we enjoy the life because Every time if we should be uh, unhappy, it's not good for our health. He's finding connection with other people, and he's, he's really full of gratitude for the kind of help and support that he's gotten in the United States and how kind people have been. My neighbors are very good persons, very good neighbors I have here in the Oakland. And he is also looking forward to bringing his wife and kids here and making his life here for for the rest of his life. In the future, uh, I want to make my career here. My son should be, daughter should be, study here. So he's mentally, he's really envisioning a life for his family in this country. And we should be live here and we die should be here because we don't want to go back to the Afghanistan. Taiki, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Great to talk with you. That was Taiki Hendricks, immigration editor for KQED. If you want to know how to help, check out some of the organizations that Taiki says are continuing to assist Afghan refugees here in the Bay Area. That's Jewish Family Community Services East Bay, International Rescue Committee, Afghan Coalition, and Refugee and Immigrant Transitions. We'll also leave you a link in our show notes to Taiki's story about the recent earthquake in Afghanistan with resources at the bottom for how to help. This 32-minute conversation with Taiki was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Editor Alan Monticilio scored this episode and added all the tape. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. As always, talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. 
Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. <laughs>